Warning, this show contains mature content and spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, this is Gillian Seed, and you're listening to the RPG Show. Listen up. See you in Kobe. Hey, everybody. just want to slide in here real quick before the episode starts just to let you guys know it's the holidays. It's busy. Everybody knows how it gets, so I'm sorry if this episode isn't to our uh, usual standard. I know this is going to be a little bit of a hum. There's some mixed breathing going in. I just mashed the tracks together and I equalized the audio and I'm letting it rip. Really sorry. It's super busy. It was either this or you guys not get a show this week and I'd rather you get the show. So uh, that being said, I want to go ahead and say, you know, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, whatever your your deal is this time of year. Um, really... Really hope you're enjoying yourself and staying safe. And I'd also, you know, from from me and Nick both, I'd like to say that we have some of the coolest listeners uh, on the planet, and it's been great to talk with each and every one of you and uh, communicate in Discord and outside. And uh, we've got to meet great people like Blaine and Anderson and everybody in the Discord. Uh, Skith, who comes on this show and talks with us just now, it's, it's just been... It's been great, and um, honestly, uh, truly touched. Because you know, honestly, we sat down to do this. Uh, we never thought a single motherfucker would listen to us, but here you guys are. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Uh, it is a real get off my lawn type episode, but I think it's fun. I think you guys are going to enjoy it. So enjoy the episode and happy holidays. Ah, greetings. Care for a story? One of heroes and villains? Of swords and sorcery? Of romance and treachery? We'll pull up a chair and have a listen. Hi, and welcome to this episode of The RPG Show. My name's Brent, I'm your host, and with me today is I have a couple fellas. First up, we have Nick. What's happening, man? I got no nicknames today. I'm Valen. I I don't know, I don't have a response. Usually, I got nothing. Without a, without a nickname, I've got I've got nothing to work off of. Yeah, I'm so sorry, because I, I got nothing today. And with him, we have, uh, we have Skithix. Man, what's happening? Man, you're not giving me anything to work with either, dude. No, I got. I, I, I mean, I can call you Susan Sarandon start. again because it's like I just want to go to no, the no, same no, no. ones. So it's just like I got nothing, man. Nah, not gonna, not gonna happen today. I got nothing back for you either. That's so. All right. Well, um, first up, we uh, let's let's just say right now, me and Nick are working on Final Fantasy Legends two. Uh, James, if you're listening to this, I've sent you an email. You haven't responded to me, so let's see if we still want to get you on that review show. So if you're listening, let's move on with that. Secondly, uh, you played any of that yet, Nick? Nope. Ah, jeez. I've played about an hour, and then I get distracted with a bunch of other stuff that we won't go in today. Uh, 
You want to know what I've been playing? You can send us an email, podcast at therpgshow.com. Uh, what have you been playing, Skith? Oh, man. Um, I've been playing a lot of like trade uh, TCGs, mainly Eternal and Hearthstone because they're fantastic games. Um, I recently picked up Fortnite for the first time on my PS4. Okay. Not an RPG, but you know, you asked, so there's your answer. Um, and I'm about to get into um, Mass Effect, which I hear is fantastic. I have yet to play any of them, but um, I'm looking forward to the trilogy. Yeah, I, I just I when I picked them up, I just couldn't deal with like the shooting mechanics in like the Mass Effect games, and like I don't know, it just wasn't that compelling to me. So I mean, people hate me for it, but you know, it is what it is. It does have a good reputation, but I don't know. I heard the most recent one was a little rough, the Andromeda or whatever. So yeah. Um, and lastly, I was also playing a Super Metroid because it's just one of those like legendary titles that everybody claims is so good, but I just like you know never got around to playing it so how do you feel that uh that holds up i think it holds up pretty good um just for like a you know point of reference back when i was you know super super young i had a regular nintendo and i had regular like metroid for that and i thought that game was pretty good but like playing the you know enhanced version of it it, it really is like just a super metroid like it things flow really well the level design i'd say is probably the biggest improvement um but yeah the boss fights are fantastic like it really is a great title so far i'd say i'm about halfway through the game right now yeah it's uh it i mean there it's not so of course there's metroid then there are super metroid but super metroid more than metroid i would say is the reason they call like that whole genre Metroidvania really? Cause I mean, while Castlevania had great games prior to the super Nintendo super Metroid's just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's incredibly iconic and it's still great if you ask me, but that kind of enables us to segue a little bit into our topic here. <laughs> a little uh, bit. Yes, a little does. bit. So, uh, a few episodes ago, it might've been, four or five episodes now i was talking with nick on the show about how uh there's not like you don't form the same connections with games like you used to sometimes um i feel like uh it's not that the games necessarily are any worse or any better or uh my uh passion for playing games has changed it's maybe like my my fervor or tenacity isn't quite the same who knows um and we're uh you sent us an email about or a message i don't remember how you contacted us but you're saying like uh you had quite a lot to say on the subject and a lot about how uh, nostalgia in general affects the way we might have viewed a playing experience in the past and how uh, we view games now. Uh, so let's kind of, let's start off with like right off the top. Uh, do you, uh, Nick, did you follow me when I said, uh, maybe like the, the way you like the, the connection between yourself and protagonist doesn't feel the same anymore. Does that, does that resonate with you? Um, I don't remember what you said on that episode, to be honest. Uh, I think I don't, I think I probably said something like I've never really had a connection to a protagonist. Okay. So much. Um, 
I guess it's just the kind of person I am. Like I'm playing the game, I'm experiencing the story, but I'm not like connecting. Okay. Anyway, I don't really connect. Like I don't watch a movie and connect. I don't really read a book and connect. I don't really connect to, uh, I guess, characters or whatever. Um, so I can't really relate to that. Okay. Um, cause... That's really interesting that you say that because, like, in a movie, I understand you're watching another established character which you have no control over. But, you know, when you're the one that's dictating the decisions on the screen, like, it, it feels like you have to invest at least a little bit of yourself to, you know, choose what action you want to have happen. Well, I guess it really depends on the type of story. Uh, like, if I'm playing a game or I'm controlling a established character that has its own their own motivations or whatever uh if i have to make a decision or in most in games in general if you have to make a decision it's an illusion of choice anyway uh yeah because no matter what's happening the plot will continue you really have no choice in the matter i.e shining force 2 just as a reference for that (laughs) exactly yes um so whenever the there's a decision to be made i Typically, as a person, will make, uh, I guess, the most utilitarian choice, like whatever is most efficient. Um, like occasionally in games, uh, if like the cho- you have the choice you have to make is like you have to be kind to a cat and then do some other fucking crap to get some item for a side quest or whatever. I'll do that. Um, but like, I really, I'm not like, oh, I have to. Uh, go, make sure I go save the children from the orphanage because that's what this character would do or whatever. Um, if if I get something out of the thing, that's what I go that and do that for. I don't get it for the, I guess, immersion factor or whatever other people, whatever whatever drives people to make decisions. I guess. Because, uh, I was gonna say just because I, in I I follow you on the the logical choices, but at the same time, like I think, uh, you can also view the story like uh like from way back when it's all said and done and those little individual choices don't necessarily cover uh, like color the big story arc really if if that's what you're looking at and that's what you're experiencing is that is that is would you say that's true um i guess like by the time i'm at, at the end of a game i don't reflect back on the whole experience usually okay right. uh like i if there's like little things, like it depends on how memorable it was. Like okay. uh, I will always remember Zed as a character because every time you're introduced to him, he's fu- he is he's he's memorable at those uh, points. But uh, like I don't feel any connection to the character. I don't feel any connection to okay. Rudy or uh, Cecilia or Jack or anything like that. I guess I guess what I'm coming at is, do you feel like there are characters as memorable as Zed showing up in your um, more current sort of uh, game titles you're playing? Mm, probably not. Okay. And do you think that is a result of the character designs in the games or your perception of those characters? Uh, I'd probably say it's a little bit of both. Okay. Um, I don't know. Maybe... My point of view is a bit faulty on this, but I feel like uh, people nowadays want more realistic, more serious things in their mediums as opposed to uh, things that kind of stand out. 
Okay. Um, so tying into that, like the character designs have to reflect a more realistic, I guess, aspect. You can't have characters being extremely crazy unless you're out there buying all these fucking like Japanese like <laughs> games. Then they're still retaining a bit of that mania that they have when they do their design work or whatever. Okay. But even then, like I haven't really played a Japanese quote-unquote game in a while. Like, I've played, like, we played Final Fantasy XV, whatever. That was probably the newest uh, RPG I've played okay. this year. I Like, I still buy them. I'm, I mean, to play them eventually, but I'm working on backlog. Do you... Uh, playing games for the show doesn't help either. Do you feel like, uh, there are there any memorable characters from that game you could pull as an example, as a character that you might remember five, six years from now? Uh, I mean, I probably remember all the characters because of the way that they kind of went through developing that brotherhood or whatever they got with okay. them all. Like, I, I'll always dislike Prompto. I'll think Lanio's whatever. Noctis is a whiny-ass bitch. Ignis is the best <laughs> character. Like, that's all I really remember f- from them. The only reason I really remember Cindy is because all the fucking hullabaloo about the sexual mm-hmm. fucking whatever because she's, like, wearing skimpy clothes. But, like... Well, she she bought a jacket in twelve, like you know, third grade, and she just really liked that jacket, and just never decided <laughs> to get a bigger one. Like that, I mean, that's that's the really. The thing is, like, like I, some girls are like that. Like they wear shit like that in the no. normal day to day. So. No, I get you, and for me, like I I could I'll probably remember Ignis for the like the number of times it's like I've discovered a new recipe, and then like I'd probably remember <laughs> like the weird uh jewelry vendor that has the most random accent ever but that's it's not the same like like you're right with like Kazed you know he has his own theme and he's just super colorful and vibrant um how, do you feel like that is a a uh where do you where do you stand on it skip do you think that's a a product of our age when we experience it or a uh just the general sense of character development at the the time they're created. I think it has a lot more to do with the age at which you experience things. Like, um, I would say in general that if you're experiencing something during that, you know, adolescent age, late middle school, early high school, where you're supposed to be like, you know, learning more about yourself and everything, like a lot of things that you hold dear to yourself, whether it be, you know, not just video games, but like a favorite movie you have or like music that you listen to, a lot of it is something that you discovered back then. So for video games, I don't really see it being anything different. Um, you know, if there were very prominent characters in a game that you feel embodied something that you like, that you connected with, then I could see somebody you know, just reminiscing about that today as opposed to fall, like falling in love with a character like Noctis, you know, like for me, I could go back and look at, you know, Cloud from Final Fantasy VII and Sephiroth and all these characters that had all these like profound, um, you know, personalities that just stood out to me so much. And there's not a single character in FF15 that I connected with the same way. And do you think that is a direct uh, relation to your age and what you're experiencing? Yeah, I would, I would say so. I mean, the characters, 
they're able to develop them better than they ever have before due to, you know, better graphics, better, like, space that they're allowed to work with. You know, they could make a backstory and, like, touch up a character to be something close to a real-life person now. Okay. You know, me being... I'm 31 now, like, it doesn't really appeal to me it's like oh i've seen that you know stereotype before that archetype in a game before so all right well let me let me so, throw... uh, wait Go ahead. i would say essentially as we've gotten older and we've maintained our hobby we become jaded okay well i mean uh what would i mean okay uh well i mean that's the kind of vibe i'm getting from it like it's all nothing's new it's all been done before and though there's a capacity for more it's almost as if you got more out of less before where they had to work within limitations to really make a character like an archetype or I guess tropey. So they had a more, I guess, kind of extreme element to them. Whereas the newer uh, developments are like Skith said, more realistic, more human. And as opposed to before uh, they are just more mundane. Okay. And let's let's all take this with the the perspective as this is three dudes talking about this subject on a podcast that specifically focuses on old games. So let's throw that out there that we may not we may be one hundred percent biased in this discussion. But I want to throw it to you this way to bring it back to something that that Nick just said there that kind of uh, identifies mostly my thoughts on it now. Maybe I hadn't really come to this conclusion when we first brought it up, but you think about it. Uh, when they you're looking at a much uh, less defined character on the screen visually, they have to do a bunch of different things to convey character. So that's dialogue and music. So you don't really have voiceover, so you don't really get a lot of inflection in voice. So you have to do a lot of uh, you know hyperbole and colorful writing to convey you know message and feeling as well as a lot of times characters had their own themes and you don't really see that as much anymore um and also now that they're making characters in games more realistic more realistic type people at the same time we're in an age where you interact with real people writ large so much easier like to me, it makes me feel like uh, there's this disconnect between, you know, like you're sitting there playing a game with someone that seems like they could be more of a real person. Like, I, I think there's this weird um, disconnect where you don't really need to form, like you don't latch on there because there's so much. There's so like your uh, your attention, your your entertainment dollar, your entertainment like peace of mind is so spread that you don't need to to grasp onto a thing because I think we've talked about it in reviews where we talk about like you know if this is 12 year old me and this is the only game I had to play then I would have played the shit out of it but as it stands like I'd rather play something else now because today like okay yeah you don't you can't afford a new game but you can go play some freemium bullshit you can go play you know try a a free indie on Steam or a cheap game on Steam. Like, it's not saving 40 years to buy a $60 game or even a $20 game used at the game store anymore. Like, there's so much more uh, girth of content that you can buy for much less money 
that I think that they don't need to connect two characters in the same way anymore. <clears throat> Does anybody follow me there? No, I follow you, and I agree, too. Um, back to what you were saying before um, about the older characters and about how like colorful the writing needed to be, Like, mm-hmm. I definitely agree with everything you touched on there. Um, particularly, like, I'm sorry, I keep falling back to Shining Force 2, but, you know, being a character that doesn't actually say anything, like, it forces you to put your own personality in that main character so that you could, you know, navigate through the game. And uh, it's, I'm getting tripped up here, but, like... Okay, so you're you're forced to project a you, you, like so the the uh, it, Jurassic it Park it, reference. We use frog DNA to fill in the gaps in the holes, right? Like, sure, like, it makes you put yourself into the game. It forces you to like be a part of it, as opposed to just seeing uh, already one hundred like ninety nine point nine percent done character. You know, that's that's, like, that's ev- well. Everything in Noctis is already defined. There's nothing for you to question about him, like. You see his hair, you see the way he blinks, you see the way he talks to his father as compared to his sister, as compared to anybody else. You see the way he treats his friends, you know, his internal thoughts. Like, there's nothing for you to question. You know, there's nothing for you to find out unless it's, like, plot-driven, but, you know, that's already intentional. But as far as, like, his individual character goes, it's already entirely revealed to you as the as the player. And you can get that relatively fast through uh like uh tone of voice facial expressions when dealing with different people like posture like it's it's a it's a like so much you can get from a pot like a way person stands like if you're a person like me that deal with people on a daily day-to-day basis you get a lot of a person's personality just based on their body language and now that you can convey all these levels of social interaction between characters in a video game, all visually, before even you hear a word coming out of their mouth, you're getting details that they would have had to explain through dialogue and music choice in a older video game. Yeah, because all you had were sprites that had like all of what eight or nine different animations, if you're lucky, and you know the rest of it was up to your imagination to fill in. And, you know, going back to Final Fantasy 15, now they came with that DVD that you could watch before you even played the game itself. So, like, there's nothing new to see once you are playing. You already have your, like, your mind made up with all these, you know, opinions that you formed before you even hit the start button. So I will toss it back to the question I gave to Nick much earlier to you, Skith. Are there any modern characters in modern gaming that you find memorable, and we'll say modern gaming's the past, you know, I'll even give it, you know, five, six years, like, that you would find memorable and that will that you think will stick with you through the test of time, and why do you think that character is there? Does it have to be from an RPG? No, I don't think it does. The Last of Us definitely sticks out to me, then. Okay. Both of the main characters, like Joel and, like, Joel himself is just like such a, a prominent figure, like the way that he cares for his daughter at the beginning of the game. And then like the way, you know, he's protect, like, I don't want to like get too far into details because I know probably maybe 
people haven't played that game here, but I would say if you haven't played it by now, you're never gonna play it. Yeah. It's been out for so long, and it's been re-released. Yeah, it has been re-released, but like you know, just his interactions with everybody between like his daughter, his brother later in the game that he finds, and it's just a really like unforgettable experience to me. It was okay. written so well and like so. It, like it hits close to home, you know. Let me let me ask you this then: Do you think he has been ruled because he was the first time you experienced a person that felt like they had real emotion and a bit like a like act like that level of like we talked about all the points of articulation and the ability to convey those emotional experiences through facial expressions through, uh, you know, like high end good voice acting like was that your first experience with that and is that why you think he's so memorable in particular i wouldn't think that he's the first one that i dealt with that i think they just went above and beyond in in creating that character for that game and same with ellie like um it was just so much more in depth than what i'm used to seeing nowadays um i I think they just did like they went way beyond, you know, the call to make something that was unique and special. So I would have to agree with you there because I think they not only did a wonderful job with like with the whole character uh, bonding aspect uh, between uh, Joel and Ellie. Like by the end of the game, like uh, my first time playing it, I got I got to the end and I was feeling like I had to save Ellie as a me. Yes, exactly. And I feel like they, like those kind of games work really well for that because they don't have to devote a bunch of time to creating a bunch of characters. They can devote all of that time to refining the relationship that the two characters have and who they are each as people. Um, Like when you find out that, or when Ellie finds out that Joel used to be a murderer or whatever, one of those raider dudes that used to rob and kill people. And she's like, "What? wow, what the fuck? Like you, like you know, in her mind that that's forever changed her opinion of Joel, and like you can see that represented on the screen, and it's kind of a, a very unique experience. And I don't think it's been replicated uh, by anybody else. Okay, all right, and that's I mean that's that's a that's a fair way to put that. I only brought up the question to kind of because we were trying to explore where these feelings come from, so. And and back to the like the original sort of uh, light bulb moment that made me think about all of this in general was that you know you think about you're right you that adolescent age even you know uh, you get higher up in your teens probably really before you 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 hit twenty you think about experiences that really. Uh, that really excited you or you were really drawn to. And then what did you do? you like, you went and you fucking, you bought a poster or a CD, like you bought all the things that went with it. Like you set it as your, your background on your, your computer. If you had one, this is before you had wallpapers on cell phones and shit. But like, I mean, like you just absorbed every ounce of it that there was in the world because it meant so much um, now it, I don't feel like even though, uh, I, I still get really hyped to play games and get really excited about them, like that fervor to soak up every last bit of it in existence just isn't there anymore. And I don't know if that's a, that's a, 
my age thing, uh, or there's too much for me to check out, or I don't, I don't really know why that is. Or it could be because it's easier to get a hold of that I don't bother. It'll always be there. It's probably a combination of all those things combined, man. You know, I mean, not only that, but they're, in my opinion, I think, like, just self-reflecting, it could also just be like a an exhaustion factor. It's like, I've done this before. Am I going to do it again? You know, like, how many times have I gotten so caught up with this fad or this game or, or something where I go out and do all this work and take time out of my day? to you know acquire things or you know surround myself with these like thoughts images and ideas only to like have it fade and then like do it again when the next one comes along okay yeah and and but see i don't know if i i would say that's necessarily exhaustion because to me that's part of the experience or at least something that i i wish i could recapture in some way like uh, the you know just the the thirst for more um, and it could, you know, maybe there's a little bit of exhaustion there because the next thing on the horizon to me could show up before I'm done, you know, with the first thing and doing this show probably doesn't help either. Like the, <laughs> the, the, you know, in the amount of time where it's like, Oh man, that was great. You know? And when I would normally go back and play it again, um, got another game to beat next month you know like that's you know that could be part of my problem absolutely and plus you know being adults and having lives and you know other commitments now like your time isn't really as open and you know back in high school middle school you kind of have free reign it's like you go to school and you wake up and then you do your homework and any other time is kind of, you know, however you see fit and your mm -hmm. weekends are always free and you could, you know, allocate time to playing games like so frequently, like hours upon hours. Now, you know, there are other commitments that you have between jobs, you know, if you have families, et cetera, that, you know, things just need time and attention. Yeah. It's, I think, I think me and, me and Nick have, have had this discussion before where it's like, when you, when you get out of high school and you get a job, you're like, man, I didn't realize how much free time I had in high school. And then you get like a good job. And then you're like, man, I didn't realize how much free time I had working that job before. And then exactly. it's like, and then it's like, now I have like a family and a good job. And it's like, man, I really didn't know how much free time I had before. Uh, well, I think correlating with the whole age thing is as, as we are younger people, um, the perception of time, we've, yeah, we haven't experienced as much, um, so each moment feels longer. Coupling that with new experiences, and as Alex said earlier, growing uh, as people, like maturing, um, that whole combination I feel like is just a rife catalyst for imprinting yourself upon whatever medium or experience that you're having, um, and then fast forward to the current time period where uh, there is like an oversaturation of everything. Cause I think there was not very many devs back in the day. Like there probably were a lot, but like, I seriously don't remember as many games being out as there are now. Oh, no. um, so like, there's so much going on. Um, so much you have to be like, all right, well, I kind of want to play this game or play that game. And then you get into a game. Um, and I don't know if it's necessarily what I experience. Um, but when I go or when you start a new game, like say you start a new RPG, 
Uh, I don't know if y'all get the kind of whole, like, how am I going to save the world this time? Like, kind of vibe or, from it? Or do you do you go in any, with any, like, uh, comparisons to, like, games beforehand, before you even start playing? Or do you limit the comparisons as you start playing? Uh, to when we sit down to play a new game or an old game? Well, like, uh, like if you're going to play a new game that came out. A fresh or, title. You haven't yeah, played any it game that you, Exactly. Like, okay, do you so find like a... that it's, like... Like I don't know, I don't know. Like you're excited to play it, or you kind of like, uh, well, I mean, here I here I go again. I'm going to save another world. Uh, I'm going to do it this time. I feel like that's a a, a separate can of worms, really. Because like if I go to sit down and like a, play a fresh title, like something that came out in 2017, like my first sort of, uh, I don't really even think about the story yet. Like I'm not even playing trope bingo at at the beginning. Like it's it's where. It, I, I always find myself like, okay, what are the, I always looking for, you know, how's the game play? How's the like characters progress? And then like, I'm always immediately disappointed by the depth to every system in front of me. Like, all right, there's 12 systems, but all of them are so watered down. Like it feels like this other game mixed with this game to give me this. And it, there's not like, I don't feel like, uh, I don't know. There's no, there's no excitement or passion there when it comes to how new games play. Like I always find like I'll play it for like two hours and be like, all right, this is the same as the other fucking game I played. I'm, I'm basically done. The true test is when you turn it off for the first time and you need to turn it on for the second time. Yes. How eager are you to get back into that and play it again? Because man, I'm telling you sometimes like I'll pick up a game and I'll be like, Oh wow. Like a fresh idea, a fresh start. And you play between like an hour, six hours, even like who knows. And then you put it down like three months could pass before I think about turning that game on again. And, and it's it, like, what the hell? You and know? most of the time it's like that two hours is just enough to reveal like the structure within. And you're yeah. like, okay, all right. I know how this works. I'm done. Like it's not, it's not interesting, especially when I feel like I'm, I'm on a system so powerful. Like you could do all these things, give me all this in-depth shit, but you feel the need to make me be able to count the drops of sweat in her cleavage. I don't really give a fuck about the number of drops of sweat in her cleavage. Like what I want is meaningful, like gameplay. And that's what I'm not getting. That's why I'm playing like old games really if you ask it to be honest do you think that's because they're catering to more casual people so they can actually get the purchases it's lowest common denominator of course like with more people and more people playing video games you want to appeal to the widest audience like i like niche uh like i think the niche thing is becoming more niche and more focused. And I think we talked on this way back, like episode two of like the current state of RPGs, where it's like, if you like Japanese RPGs, you are getting hella Japanese RPGs. If you like uh, these super in-depth procedural space exploration games, you're getting hella in-depth, like super complicated space procedurally generated space exploration games like there's not that comfortable i would say 75 percent to that max line there's too much of like 30 percent or 100 percent if you follow what i'm saying 
Uh, yeah, kind of get what you're saying. Like, so, I mean, they either go full bore, like, past the level of playability, except for the people that are looking specifically for that, or they dial it all the way back. So, like, you think of something, like, that works like a talent system or, like, a like a point-by system where you either have games that give you two million options or half a dozen with, like, okay. two teams. I, makes more sense now. I was... I... I guess I was having trouble trying to figure out what the fuck systems you were talking about exactly. Yeah, but the like, second explanation was a lot. Yeah, the, sorry, sorry. So, but see, that's that's where I'm at. Like, I'm more comfortable. Like, give me, you know, fifty choices, right? So each time I play the game, it's a little different. Like, don't don't give me two hundred options where I'm like, well, fuck that. That's I don't even want well, to this figure plays that into- out. Like the replayability of a game that you really enjoyed when you were younger and had the time to do so. Um, For an example, one that's jumping out in my mind right now is Diablo 2. I have spent so many hours on that game. Um, And I have played across all of the classes. And anybody that's played knows that there's way more than one way to play every class. So... Um, you know, I'll use Amazon as an example. Like, you want to play a Amazon Diablo 2. Well, okay, you could go like the Javazon build where you, you know, focus on all the Javelin based skills, or you could be Boazon. And even within Boazon, you have like the Fire Tree or the Ice Tree. And then there's like your Passive Zon with like all your, you know, um, innate skills and the, the Valkyrie sidekick. And like, you could play an entire playthrough of that game from level one through however far you feel like getting and have an ex- an entirely different experience with the same class playing through the game. And then you have all the other classes to do too because if the game is that fun, you want to play it again in every other way that you can. Um, and, you know, as long as you're having fun doing it and you have the time like set aside that you could partake, then you will. A game like Final Fantasy XV, you look at those talent trees knowing that you're going to use the same characters every time. There is nothing appealing about those talent trees. I don't care who you are. Like, if you're going to try to tell me, like, one time you're going to play with, like, the talent tree that lets you wear more accessories on all your characters and you want to play through the game again to, like, put your talents into the tree that like gives you boosts to your magic retaining abilities. Like, like I trying to take that game away from you and break it because like, you shouldn't be wasting your time doing that. It just, yeah. well, in that case, you're, sp- you're playing the game the same, no matter what though. Like it doesn't change any systems. Yeah, no, it doesn't. It, it, it gives you an idea like that talent tree system in FF 15 just seems to me like it's a waste of time. Like, no matter which tree you go into, there's really not going to be a sufficient change in the gameplay. That's the that's the part they put in for the Final Fantasy fans. The first timers is everything else about the game. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, well, and I feel like I, I don't I didn't want like this discussion like from like a, a way out. It's like we're not talking about old RPGs versus Final Fantasy 15. I think Final Fantasy 15 just serves as a good example as part of a genre because I think that every point we're making against Final Fantasy 15 can be applied almost fully if not partially to other modern RPGs, I would say. Well, it depends on the viewed it and it's yeah. a good 
you know, I, I know that this audience has a lot of people that would, you know, relate to what we're saying. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Just... like, I guess I would say it really depends on the dev nowadays. Like, uh, I think Persona Five was nominated nominated for uh, one of the Game of the Years or something like that, and it's a really old school, super Japanese RPG, and it just goes to show that people still there's still a market for this type of stuff. Mm-hmm. People still enjoy it. Um, like I haven't personally played it. I think Kujo played it, uh, but from apparently from other people have said like it's like a, a kind of harkens back to the the golden era, I guess, of RPGs. Okay. So like there's still it may not just be that we are getting old and like all the games today just suck or whatever. Uh, I think this might be a case of the developers having to choose between making a lot of money or making, I guess the game that the fans want. Okay. I can, I can, I can, I think I can follow uh, what you're saying, but the, like it's sometimes it, again, it also depends on the developer because like there's some developers where I feel like there's an honest to god disconnect between what the, the fans want and what they think the fans want, um, and there's also like our genre in particular, we run into the problem of we want to talk about. Uh, JRPGs from a Western viewpoint, like this isn't even taking consideration how the gaming environment and the needs of gamers in Japan are changing. So when you look at a, an Eastern developer that's developing a game with the Japanese market in mind, and then we look at it and like, what the fuck are they thinking? That's specifically us looking at it from our point of view when it the game wasn't developed for us. It was just brought to us after the fact. So that's also something to consider when we talk about JRPGs in particular. But, uh, like this, I don't know. Like, I, th- I think it's been a, if you're right, I think it kind of all boils down to, um, a lot of different things are happening. And in all honestly, in all honesty, I feel like modern games, they they appeal to a certain audience that has a different perspective than us, and it, it all can honestly boil down to just what we expect out of a game, what makes a game fun to us. Like it it's it's old hat. It can't. I think that it's personally reasonable for me to assume that you know these fourteen through seventeen age range enjoy the simplification of games and the, the, the increased focus on multiplayer. Whereas for me, the, the single player experience was King. I don't think that's the case anymore. Well, that's a really good point that I hadn't even thought of until you just brought it up, you know, back when all we had were, you know, regular Nintendo Genesis, super Nintendo and 64 PlayStation one, whatever, none of those had their own internet access. So, everything that the developer had, like all of their resources went into a single player experience, uh, particularly with RPGs, you know, like other sport titles or something they have to, you know, make, you know, more than one play at a time, but like they didn't have internet 
accessibility issues or like how to connect to multiplayer, how to be in a party, all of that wasn't even a concern. Yeah. And, and now everything has to have some sort of online slash multiplayer aspect that development time has to go into. Like, I don't think a game's going to sell without those things. It is a selling point for a lot of people. And, you know, sometimes a person will only want to play if they could play with their friend or something. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, like if you only like playing with a particular friend or two, like that's cool. Like that's what you decide to do. But, you know, when it comes to something, I think specifically RPGs, like you just need that content for the single player experience to, to reign King in the priority over the developing process. And, and, we're seeing more and more games like think like if you had told you yourself in the year 2004, like the internet's a thing 2004, but if somebody had told you that there are going to be triple a titles developed that have no single player capabilities, it is 100% online multiplayer all the time. You would have told yourself you were crazy. Well, yeah. And, the thing is that it's not just one genre. Like it's come, it's become kind of spread out through every single genre. There's like at least one game in every, almost every genre that's you can't play it single player. Yeah. Oh, at least easily. Yeah. And it, it's just part of it, like I guess it all. It's it's just a little piece. Of, it's just another little piece of the puzzle that we seem to be unraveling here. Just so yeah, many little well, pieces to this puzzle. We're getting into like get off my lawn mode now. I don't. Point. I don't necessarily. I don't necessarily think that's a problem. Like I. I really don't think the socialization aspect of gaming is a problem. I really don't, because like there there are a ton of great memories I have playing games like Diablo two. Like, you know. Oh well, me as I well. Mean, but like, if you could compare a, a good moment that you had playing a game with somebody online compared to your friend sitting next to you in a group of four as you're all playing GoldenEye together or Star Fox 64 or Mario Kart 64 or something, like, which one outweighs which to you? Well, I think that's that's a tricky one, right? Because if I think about those, those summer days spent indoors, multi-screening, GoldenEye with three other guys, like, I don't attribute that experience to GoldenEye. I really think more about the dudes that I'm hanging out with and what else like that would be part of a collective other thing we were, you know, other things we did that day. Like that was just summers in the hood growing up. Right. But like uh, I look at something, let's talk about like, let's say, uh, let's say, wow. Right. Like the first kill of a interior, uh, Ray boss in the way that your voice channel just fails when everybody just screams with pure, you know, joy, like it beating a thing. Like, I think they're just apples. I think they're apples and oranges. Um, to be honest, like, I think they're different experiences and I will get a little old man on my lawn for a minute and say, fuck developers for giving us, there's not nearly enough, uh, like local co-op or local multiplayer games anymore there's just not 100 percent agree with Um, you on that but i would i would agree with that but uh when was the last time you had somebody over your fucking house to play games like i can't 
say well, because the there's nothing to play like years. i would i would invite people over to play if there was something to play like i can't invite nobody over to play a game if if there's nothing to play like i've invited like i mean what do we, what do we play mario party 3 for the millionth time like fucking give me something new to sit on the couch and play with people right like, Kingdom. <laughs> i have played enough dokuban kingdom okay <laughs> like i'm ready for something new I find myself having to go back into old collections yeah. and picking out games that we used to play in order to play together because there aren't many new titles that have local, you know, land co-op. Um, whether it be just like an old school fighting game that you used to enjoy, like Super Street Fighter 2 or Soul Calibur 2 or something, or, you know, uh, Split Screen, Perfect Dark or GoldenEye, whatever... Um, it's like these were the th- thing you used to play with your friends back then. So here you are doing it again. When if you go to like Steam right now and look up like local multiplayer, that list is depressingly small. Um, I did because I was like, you know what? Like I've played these games so many times with whoever it was that I had over, just friends or like whoever was over and I wanted to like play something new and the choices really aren't out there in mass. Um, there and, are a few that come to mind, but it's, it's not a big list at all. And and that's mostly because the, the, the demand, I don't think the demand is there the way it used to be. Um, to be honest with you, like I'm with you. Like I wish I had more local co-ops to play, but I think that is again like this is a, a get off my uh, my lawn discussion because there's no really no need like games now you can connect with with friends that you would have never been able to sit on a couch and play games with so I don't want to necessarily say it's a negative it is just something that is a state of accessibility and where we're at I'd love to see more of it but I really don't speaking of which why haven't we gotten a Mario Party online game like that seems like something that should have happened Seems like it should, right? Like, is there one that you can play online? I don't think there is. I think the problem with that would be there. Everybody would fucking rage quit, and so you'd be oh, stuck yeah. with you'd be the last person left in the game. You like, after, to like, play Monopoly online. <laughs> no one lasts till the end of the game if they're losing. <laughs> I think that was kind of the problem with Armello. Armello took too long, and you know, just kind of stopped. A playing. lot of games do that. Especially games like but that. But the other thing about these, like, you know, console or PC-based games now is, like, everyone needs their own account. So you really can't log into one console with four different accounts. Um, a friend of mine had, like, a party to celebrate buying a new home. And he had his friends over, and they all have, like, their their Xbox fanboys. So they literally brought three more televisions and three more consoles over and all logged on to play like shooter games online with each other at the same time in the same living room. Yeah. Like, I, I, that's what was needed. That's such a, I have that's a day's effort, you know, I have had that experience in the last five years. A friend of my friend was having a bachelor party and they all wanted to, this is when, like this is PlayStation Three, like Mag. This the game was Mag, and like everybody wanted to do this land party, but so everybody had to bring a TV in their PS Three, and we were all in this big basement playing Mag. And I guess it was cool, but at the same time, like I realized this isn't the same as you know 
uh, four-way split screening, you know, Halo on a projector or something like it's that. Like, just it's just not the same. It's yeah, not the like same. when you have to split screen your Halo, like the feeling of it, even remember if you have like three people and like one person got half the screen, the other people got like, the, the oh, quarters they, and you they, just, they had a noticeable you'd, like advantage you'd be jealous and you'd just like hold it against them the whole night but you're still friends like that's what counts you know like yeah and and uh, so i mean that's just that's just a uh that we still have those games so like again this is a this is a retro game podcast those games are still out there you can still play them and we encourage you to do so it's just you know we're talking mostly about the stuff that's coming out now and this these are all points that that maybe drive myself and nick particularly to talk about old games it's just maybe we're not getting what we need um in what's coming out now so you need to fill out that catalog of stuff that came before that you didn't get to play so uh but this whole discussion kind of brings me to just another another discussion point that i don't think will near won't won't can't tail nearly curtail as nearly as long as this one did uh but just want to go one by one and ask you guys your opinions on the uh like the monetization of nostalgia in current gaming and just the current like pop culture it's like uh if you're nostalgic about something it is for sale and a version of it's for sale like this the just the idea that they're coming out with new products for properties that ended in the 90s is just crazy it's crazy times it's happening everywhere because nostalgia is is money so uh since you since you spoke at first skith how do you personally feel about like your nostalgia is for sale every day of the week (laughs) i personally dislike it but i know that there's absolutely nothing i could do about it um like when I was younger, growing up, like you know, I was born in '85. Like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were a thing, and then they went and remade all these movies. Like I didn't care for them at all, you know. Like now they're remaking Power Rangers movies. Like it just well, it Super never Sentai really never died. It just went into a deep <laughs> dark tunnel that we didn't dare follow. All these things never really end, but some things I think video games have done a much better job of keeping up with this. Um, certain examples would be like Zelda titles because okay. they, you know, by the time the first one was done on NES, everyone was on board. Like everyone knew that was a fantastic title, and like if you had an NES, that should be part of your library. And, you know, fast forward to today, Breath of the Wild comes out and people are, you know, saying, hey, it's, I'm, I'm not saying that it's real, but it's worth buying this $500 Switch system to play Breath of the Wild, you know, like, and that shows you how well a, a certain, like, franchise could do if it's kept up with properly, um, you could look at other examples, which I don't think have fared so well throughout the years. Um, you know, Mortal Kombat is released for Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo back in the day. And, you know, you get Mortal Kombat 1, 2, 3. Everybody's a fan. Everyone's so excited for the next one to come out. And then it was just title after title of, like, bullshit that was just not satisfying at all. And here they are today, like, trying to revive this thing with Mortal Kombat 10, or X, whatever you want to call I it. I was a huge fan of the the first couple that came out with like story story modes. Like I was, I like those a lot. Was that I like played through five them and for six, n- I think total annihilation, maybe I don't know. Probably, I 
Deception, I remember, was one. They had, like, mini-games in them and stuff. It was more of just a nostalgia trip. It's like, oh, look, I'm using these characters that I used to play with 10 years ago, but, like, you know, the gameplay not being there, it really wasn't, like, coercing me into, like, wanting or desiring another title from it. Um, Mortal Kombat just being one example, but, you know, I'm, I'm sure there are plenty others to go around. Um, you know, Mario is a big thing. Odyssey is up for game of the year. I haven't played it, but I've heard great things. Um, I think that after Super Mario 64, there were a whole bunch of like, you know, lackluster titles in between, but you know, that could just be my opinion. I'm sure there are people that liked sunshine and galaxy and all that, but it's like for my money, what am I going to choose to invest in something that I know is a really established title that will always, like satiate what I'm looking for, like a Zelda title or Final Fantasy title. Well, that doesn't hold true anymore, but um, or something else that you know has fallen by the wayside, like the Mortal Kombat's or or other titles. Okay, all right. Uh, what about what about uh, what about you, Nick? How do you feel about nostalgia being for sale, like re-releasing of old consoles and releasing of every title you ever played or remakes of every title you've ever made to to spend your nostalgia buck? Uh, I'm ambivalent towards it. Okay. On one hand, um, I don't see anything wrong with companies selling product that they know people will buy, uh, because it's money making 101 if you have a product that people want supply it and then make the money or whatever um and i've bought a lot of the remastered games that came out like i bought the dot hack one i've bought the last of us remastered i bought five Fantasy 10 remastered uh so i may i'm like i'm guilty of perpetuating this or whatever if y'all want to say that that's fine um on the other hand i think that as long as they're putting the money towards like making new experiences like new ips or something which they probably aren't it'd be a great thing um and i think getting into like what skits was saying about perpetuating i an ip so long uh like mario or zelda or more combat thing like Final fantasy like things you know that will probably never die um i don't like i haven't played a mario or zelda game since the 64, I think. Um, so I'm not like a fanboy, but fanboys will buy everything because they're fanboys. Uh, if given the choice between buying the next Final Fantasy title and some niche game, I'd probably buy the niche game just to try a new experience out, even if I don't know if it's going to be good or not. Okay. But that's just my whole, uh, I guess, take on it. Like, I've never. The only games that I will buy. For full price, every no matter what, it could be a, a picture of a pile of shit, and they could say it's produced by Tri- or developed by Trice. I'm I'm gonna buy it. That's fair, and that's where your loyalties lie. Um, as far as I'm concerned, my nostalgia being for sale is that's fine. Um, I, you know, if if I see it, I like it, uh, I'll buy it. My problem with it is what it does to further segment like audiences in any entertainment genre, right? Like the fact that let's say I grew up watching uh 90s Nickelodeon, right? Well, I could now for the rest of my life just live in that ecosphere. Like I wouldn't have to exit it. 
if I didn't want to. And I think that segmenting of uh, your entertainment, like especially in like video games, can be unhealthy, right? Like, because if if you say uh, all I ever want to play is this, then I I really think you're losing out. But uh, when it comes back to like my nostalgia bucks, like these, like remasters, I think are are great, especially for titles like Final Fantasy twelve, like Zodiac Age. I think is great because until that came out, you the only way to play that was to hook up your PS two and fucking play Final Fantasy twelve. Like I mean, it's not like it's been released on a digital store or something somewhere else. So um, I think having access to games across multiple platforms is great sometimes i'm not a fan of them charging me full want to charge me full retail for a game that's you know a million years old i think that's kind of hack but you know that's just my my value of a dollar over somebody else's so but uh you know i do gotta add i do appreciate the whole thing because it gives people who might not have had a chance to play the games before a chance to play them Especially if they're games that I liked a lot that are being re-released. Yeah, yeah, I could attest to that. Um, Last of Us, as an example, I didn't like have a chance to play it on PS3. Owning a PS4, like it was released and I got it for like what twenty bucks, like worth my money, you know. Like otherwise, I probably never would have gotten around to playing it. So in that regard, like, all right, cool. and I don't have a problem with that either. Like you're saying, having access to an old game on a new platform, fantastic. Like somebody might be scrolling through and say, hey, I never played that back in the day, but I heard so much about it. Well, all right, take my money. I'll give it a shot. Nothing wrong with that. My problem lies where they're using something simply for the name or the recognizability of it to make a half-assed inferior product and shove that in people's faces you know i would hey here it is let's go buy this buy this you know you like it you know like that's where i draw the line i would point to the re-release of the crash bandicoot games specifically for that like that was that was handled out of house and they changed the way the physics work fundamentally changing the way the game plays like i boot i bought it it's super exciting because i love crash bandicoot warped in particular like i can play that any day of the week I boot that song bitch up and it is not the same game. That is mm. that not even close. Like precisely. There's there's collision problems, like the the way you change directions in air and all that, it's just wrong and completely fucks <laughs> fucks the game up in my opinion. It's 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 not even right. So I, I'm with you there. Like the 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 it can be right when it's it if it's just cash grabby, then I got a problem with it. But yeah, I think I think we just end up naming this like the like the current state of of uh, RPGs part two, like because it's kind of where we went with it. But I like, suppose. <laughs> like I mean, that's well. You know what? Like honestly, I brought this up with you because it's just something that I feel like all of us could relate to if you've been around gaming as long as we have like i don't know about you guys like i started gaming when i was like four years old right like Mm -hmm. i got a a regular nintendo in 89 and like the second i shot a duck on the screen with my zapper like it i knew i was never going back you know 
so it just turned into something that's like been an innate part of me and for better or worse like you know here i am at age 31 still being a gamer um and whether we like to admit it we if you're anything like me have spent so much time so much time of our lives like playing these games delving into them like listening to the stories they had to tell watching the pretty graphics learning the characters um talking to friends about the games just having conversations playing alongside them like all of these things are just something that we could all relate to and i just wanted to like you know take a single episode out of yeah, there's always that one serious episode in the middle of like a comedy series mm-hmm. where they just like turn the tables or yeah it's a very special like, episode just, of family I just, matters i just wanted us to like you know take a second to like go back and just think about like where we all were coming from with our gaming experience like how it affected us growing up like just something we could all relate to so and 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 i i i really want to echo what you're saying there and i i want it kind of brings me to the kind of this rev this kind of point i want to bring up and just ask just throw it out there this could be a get off my lawn kind of statement but we've been playing video games a long time like i remember the day my dad brought home that busted up NES he found on the fucking side of the road that that you know had frayed wires and all this shit but we made it work and playing all those hours of Mario and all this shit and all through the just every change in gaming we've seen it it just feels like from say 2007-8 to now has been the sharpest most contrasty change in how games are made and presented than the 20 years, 30 years prior to it. Um, I 100% agree with you on that. And I would attribute it to, you know, I'm probably going to go down a, a, a deep rabbit hole with this one, but like video gaming became cool. And that's where it all changed because growing up uh, and i'm sure you'll know. relate to this as well but like i was the only kid on my whole street with an nes you know and um, probably the same with an snes and a genesis and all that but you know all of a sudden like call of duty is the rage and grand theft auto is the thing to do and it hit mainstream so hard that like you know people that didn't identify as gamers at any point in their life just had a ps2 sitting at home hooked up playing their gta and you know just talking about it in that like really you know melancholy way like oh yeah i was like driving around like running over people and shooting bitches on the street and blah 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 it's like and it almost like makes me feel weird to hear that like when it started happening all the time because it's like wait this was my thing you know yeah like why is everybody else playing this and you know, like this is part of that whole rabbit hole thing, but like if you were in our shoes, you probably didn't like go through life thinking that like video games were like the mainstream, the cool thing. Like it was our little nook, you know, like 
everyone um, might have like a little nerdy tendency or yeah. something, whether it be like your Dungeons and Dragons or your video games or like maybe you're a bookworm, whatever it is. Like everyone has like their one little thing that they revert to. If you want to, you know, forget about something, de-stress, just have fun. Like it, it was our go-to. And then once everybody else started to be a part of that, especially in such a shallow way and by shallow i mean like call of duty yeah. you know like um like all of a sudden it was out there for everybody and the developers are like wait a minute like look at how much money is in this i remember seeing the the amount of money that were that was coming into these developers on the pre-orders of like the newest gta games and it was like making you know mainstream news all of a sudden and it was just in all of our faces all the time and it's just such a vastly different like a very sharp contrast from back in the day the golden age of gaming to what we have now i want to just kind of say like i want to separate the terms cool and mainstream because to me video games are always cool right and okay, to people yeah, I, around video I, games are always cool uh, and if tv commercials told me anything video games were always cool but uh <laughs> but mainstream they were not no i'm with you uh, and, as long as you know what i'm getting at with that and i want to just i mean this is also the, the this is the same rabbit hole but it was all part of that whole hipster nerd chic kind of mo- movement that occurred 2008 through present like it really kind of started to take off around 2009, 2010, I want to say, where everybody's like, "Oh no, I was, I was a nerd." I'm like, "No, you, no, just no, no, just, you weren't. Just <laughs> yeah, shut up. Right. Like you weren't the ones with like printed Dragon Ball Z photos, like on your backpack. Like you weren't fucking talking uh, Final Fantasy Nine during Chess Club. You piece of shit. Like just crawl back in the hole that you came out of. I don't. I instantly don't like you." Exactly. Um, for for every like this is just I'm gonna take this moment and I'm gonna recommend a movie to everyone out there and and it, it kind of only tangently re- relates to this but watch a movie called Zero Charisma it's this little indie movie about this loser fetch slub nerd and his his uh, tabletop group who just like this just completely gets beset upon by this this hipster guy uh, and uh, it is. It is uh it is amazing. I recommend everyone everyone uh I'll have to give it a watch. Watch it. But how do you feel about all this, Nick? Like how do you feel about uh the last ten years of gaming past over the past, say, thirty or forty? Like do you think that's a big change and uh whole, you know, video games hitting mainstream? Do you have anything to say about any of that? Um, my sentiments are pretty much in line with y'all's. I I feel like not only was there like a uh like a societal shift, uh, but it, I think it mainly occurred with the upgrading graphics uh, because it made the game more, or games in general more, uh, I guess, appealing. To Marketable. Yeah. Um, like I still know people. Like my girlfriend won't play two D games because she's like, I don't like the way that looks, and like it's it's unfortunate because there are. <laughs> Like, there's a bunch of experiences that she will never have. Like, uh, back when you were saying, like, you grew up on games, Alex, like, I, I think I pretty much learned to learn to read from RPGs. Like, uh, that's how much I was playing them 
like whenever I stumbled across a word I didn't know, I'd, get, I'd pull out my fucking dictionary because you had to have a dictionary, like a print dictionary. Flip to the page, find the word, figure out what it is, and then keep going. And then so I learned words, learned how to read. Um, yeah, there was incentive to learn. You like you wanted to. You were driven to figure it out. You know. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then so like when the whole great great up uh, graphics upgrade shift happened games were more accessible um at the advent of cell phones being smart computers not just a phone anymore uh introduced mobile gaming which introduced more casual people to it and it, that infected the whole dev process infected. for everything <laughs> dude fuck fuck microtransactions no matter what they are like i'm i was i was on the whole uh, if it's if it's just an outfit or if it just looks for fucking three bucks who gives a shit but no fuck all of that shit like if it because back in the day you could play fucking goldeneye or whatever unlock a new character just by playing the game i, I want a new fucking outfit they had to pay for that shit i'm so, so that. proud that we made it an hour and that was our first back in the day like uh, <laughs> i was gonna say i'm like just let him rank he's going strong uh, go ahead nick i'm sorry i just i was very proud so yeah like but yeah like these people like coming out with fucking like uh, like i'm a nerd like look at my t-shirt it says like i've got i play fucking nintendo on or whatever like i saw somebody post on facebook one day like i'm such a nerd i'm playing playstation and they had a fucking xbox controller i'm like what the fuck what are you what are you doing with your life right now this is hot topic attire right now you know (laughs) like shit so yeah like i mean like, on a personal level, like, fucking people, like, sheeple are going to be sheeple. They're going to latch on to whatever fucking thing that they think is popular or whatever, eccentric, or whatever the hell they got to do to get their fucking rocks off. But it doesn't impact me as a person and, like, how I've been, like, who I am from playing games. Like, I lament sometimes that if I hadn't been introduced to games, like, I might actually be a successful person because all of the fucking time that I've spent gaming... Like just consuming all kinds of stories. Like it's, I'm happy with the person I am, but I'm sure there's an alternate universe version of me or alternate dimension or whatever. Like that's fucking like rocket science or some shit because they actually got into something. Like, I think I'm fairly intelligent, and I feel like if I actually put myself to something, like I could get a bunch of shit done. But I don't care to because I'd rather be at home fucking playing games, and I am perfectly fine with that. And uh, I will probably never stop. I'm going to be like fucking 65, 70. I'm going to be fucking playing games. I feel like I'm going to have grandkids coming over. They're like, hey, Grandpa, we want to go outside and play. Like, if they'd even do that anymore, who knows? It probably might be fucking hologram shit by then. Uh, but I'm like, no, I'm playing games. Fuck off. Like, go bother Grandma. I don't give a fuck. Hey, man, I've been there before, too. Like, and honestly, I think that, you know, if we're just being honest with ourselves, probably anybody that has spent as much time gaming as we have have had those same conversations. Um, anybody that knows me in real life knows I tend to say this thing where it's like, hey, if I never played like Fantasy Star Online, I probably would have cured cancer by now because of how much time I put into that damn shit, you know? And it's like, was it... You, you reflect back and you ask yourself, like, was it a good allocation of my time my hours um you know productivity wise probably no but guess what like that's what i wanted to do 
you could even claim that it fell into a realm of addiction because it's like, you know, what do you think about when you're doing something that's not video gaming? Well, you know, your mind could wander in any bunch of directions, but you're probably thinking about going home and turning on the system and playing again. So, you know, I'm right there with you on that one. Um, yeah, it, I got it pretty bad. Like, I'll be at work and I'll be like, man, I can't wait to get home and do this next thing in this fucking game I'm playing. Like, Nicole, she, one day she asked me, she's like, so what do you think about? I'm like, if you want to be honest, when I'm, when I'm not home, I'm thinking about being home and playing a game. Like, it's not, I can't, so I can't just, can't just turn it off. Like, I've got no other plans really in my mind about anything else. I'm like, my plans are, okay, play this game, beat this game, hopefully with a certain amount of time, get this game lined up to play next play through that game, and then that's pretty much about as far as I go. Maybe I have two or three down the list of games I want to play, and then like the things I want to do in each game, and like, do I do I really want to collect all this fucking bullshit? I don't need it. Like, I was harping back earlier, I'm like, you know what, I've spent a bunch of time like being a fucking completionist for a bunch of games, but I will never go back and load up those fucking saves, so what was the point? Yeah, but you know what? It was satiating, wasn't it? You know? Like, <laughs> even yeah. if even if you like put way too much time into something and you knew it, you're like, I'm going to do this anyway. Like, this is just what I want to do right now. And while video gaming has never really been called, like, you know, it's not like the same as a drug addiction, like alcoholism or something. Like if you're one of us, you know, like it's just <laughs> what we chose to do with our time and think about it so much. Honestly, like here we are on this podcast. Guess how I found you guys. <laughs> yeah one big guess like i was out and i was looking at my podcast and it hit me because i had a whole bunch of podcasts and i was like you know what like i bet somebody probably has a podcast about like video games and stuff on this i might as well look it up found you guys here i am you know yeah. like that's how it happened like <laughs> i just had my mind going along that train of thought and i was like might as well listen to something and came across you guys mad cool so i listened found out that other people are in your community here guys if you're listening and you're not part of the discord get in there please like a whole bunch of chill people having great conversation day in and day out like just come and talk to us like all night long jesus <laughs> come on mate. hey you remember how the conversations went back in the day man Back in just, the day, back in the day. Back in the day, I have to say it again, just for you. <laughs> but no. Just one word of advice, though, if you join the Discord, do not mention trails. Do not mention trails of the sky. Do not mention trails of cold steel. <laughs> just don't, just don't talk about it, because then you won't be able to get a word in edgewise for like two fucking days. Because Dan and QJ will just be talking about it. Yeah, but no. I just to, just to bring it back around to like talking about who we would be without video games. Like I just like. Because while you guys were talking, I realized that, like, video games was the, like, the catalyst for me. Like, it was playing games like Zelda and Final Fantasy that got me into, like, fantasy books and meeting people that are into the same shit and comic books, like, tabletop games, computers. Like, all of that spawned from a single NES and games like Zelda and Final Fantasy uh, completely informed everything that I enjoy, really. 
outside yeah. of video games. Because it was satiating. It made you feel good. There you go. So like for me playing Super Mario Brothers one on the NES, like I beat it and it made me feel good. So like what else could I do out there? You know? Um I naturally feel like I'm a really competitive person. So when I wasn't able to like be participating in a, a like physical sport or something, how do I like give my mind something to compete with? Okay, video games. Like there's a challenge presented in front of you by a developer, and it's your job to you know finish this task in front of you. So you know, like you finish one thing onto the next one, you finish another onto the next, like games just became more complicated and the more complicated they become, the better you feel when you beat it. Like I could look at something like Starcraft where there's so much strategy involved. Like you put it on a harder difficulty level and then you beat it and you're like, hell yeah, you know, you get that endorphin rush. Like it feels really good. And then you're just onto the next one. And it's only perpetuated itself outside of the the single player experience now onto this online online gaming arena where you could just compete with like, you know, a hundred different people at the same time. Like coming out victorious on top of that, it's really satiating. I'll stop using that word now. No, no, it's 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 an apt word. But, uh, you know, fellas, I think I think we've we've beat the dead horse on this. I think we're rambling. I think we're exploring like the deep ends of really extraneous tendrils at this point. So uh, let's go ahead and wrap it up a little bit here. So before we do our normal shit, Skith, thank you for coming. Thank you for the awesome discussion topic. I think it's been a great episode. If people are more interested in hearing you say shit about shit or whatever, where can they find you and what you're doing? They could find me at uh, Twitch TV slash SkithX. Every once in a while, I'll uh, stream some stuff, whether it be in my uh, TCG games or some uh, like MOBA arena kind of stuff. I'll uh, boot that up every once in a while and play yeah. on there. Other than that, you could always find me on the Discord, guys. You know I'm there. And keep uh, keep posting in Discord when you go live, so people people know when to come hang out with you and and fucks with you. So. <laughs> Well, I try not to because I remember what you and Nick did last time. You watched me play Soulport. <laughs> that we I did. learned my lesson. Yep. But that was fun. That was fun. It, I had it fun. It was fun. I'll give you that. It was fun. Oh, man. I'm really, you gotta, like, you gotta bust your ball sometimes. Uh, like the moment what, on air when, when he realized who I was. He was like, oh, damn. Okay. All right. Now I know what's happening. Now I'm in for a rocky ride. Yeah, because then there were like sexual favors offered and all kinds of stuff we can't take back or unsee. So no, I still, still haven't, still haven't undid that ban. But anyway, <laughs> uh, for as far as me and Nick, you know, make sure you come on over to the Discord, talk to us there. You can email us podcast at drpgshow.com. You can Twitter, yeah, we got Twitter podcast, uh, the RPG podcast on Twitter. Yeah, that's us. Uh, Discord website's therpgshow.com. Uh, you know, if you're doing some holiday shopping, it's probably a little late by the time you listen to this episode, but you're doing some holiday shopping, follow the Amazon affiliate link. Anything you buy after you click on that, we just take a little cut from the man. That's right. That's what we do. Uh, outside of, am I forgetting anything, Nick? I think I'm forgetting something. 
Well, if you are, I'm forgetting it too. Oh, yeah. Leave us a rating and review on iTunes. That's very important. Like, if you have not left us a rating or review on iTunes, you need to go do that. And if you haven't made a second account to leave us a rating or review on iTunes, you need to do that. And if your significant other haven't, hasn't left, left us a rating or review on iTunes, you need to steal their phone or their device and do it for them as well. All of that is greatly appreciated. Uh, also, you can check out our buddies, Blaine and James, over at Is It Worth It uh, podcast, part of the Retro RPG podcast feed. Uh, they're the coolest guys on the internet, except for everyone else. Hey, that's my line. Nah, well, I took it from you. So until <laughs> next time, say goodbye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody.